Welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney. Over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to be doing a series called Generational Inheritance, also known as Bloodlines. I want to start really slowly. I want to build a platform. I want to show you how relevant it is for today. And by the end of the 10 weeks, you're going to have all the keys that you need to begin to leave your generations and a godly inheritance. Today I'm going to be looking at the first four days of creation in Genesis 1 verse 1. My husband and I have been doing bloodlines for over 10 years now and people always ask, is bloodlines relevant for today? Is it still necessary since the blood of Jesus has done it all? My response to that is, emphatically yes it is very relevant for today how do i say this because the word says you will know a tree by its fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit the amount of good fruit that we have seen over the years and in nations in the lives of people has been phenomenal so there's no doubt that it is for today so let me address the second part of that question about the blood of jesus having done everything for us that is absolutely true i stand and i agree completely with that statement however let me put this thought to you if we are sons of Yahweh and we have been given dominion over all the works of his hands, that means we have to administrate some stuff. When we do generational inheritances or dealing with bloodlines, this is us acting in our capacity as sons to administrate what the blood of Jesus has paid for. It is applying that blood so that we get everything that he paid for. So it definitely is for today. And let me pose this question to you. If the blood of Jesus had done it all in the way that we think it has, in that we don't have to do anything, I know for sure that the blood of Jesus heals. The blood of Jesus delivers and it saves. So let me ask this then. Why do born-again Christians struggle with diseases? Why do they get sick? Why do they struggle with temptations? We all have these kinds of things that we struggle with that we know about. But if the blood of Jesus had done it without our participation, there would be no sickness. There would be no Christians who need deliverance because we would all be living in victory. So there's something missing in that argument. And bloodlines is about taking responsibility for those things that have happened in generations even before you got here. Because what you do today can leave a legacy for future generations. Whatever you deal with today, where you take ownership of it and you say, yep, I didn't personally do it, but I'm connected to my past generations by blood and that record is stored in my DNA, and I will cover this later, it will make sense to you in a little while, then I take responsibility for it and I close the door to that pattern or that cycle repeating in another generation. So I'm going to start in the Word. I'm going to start in Genesis. I love Genesis, and to be honest, I've spent um, at least two years in Genesis and I just get so much revelation from it every time I listen or I, I go through the book there are layers of revelation so what you read today could be one um, bit of revelation for you but what you read tomorrow could be an addition or a deeper truth 
on that subject. And the word is living and it's active. It's like we find new stuff every day to get revelation on. Yahweh has hidden so many mysteries and so many secrets in his word. And if we can understand the Hebrew understanding, then we're going to get even deeper revelation. People always ask me because I constantly refer to Hebraic understanding. Am I Jewish? The answer to that is no, I'm not. Not um, by blood anyway. However, my favorite scripture is Romans 3 verse 1. It says, what advantage is there to being Jewish? Much in every way, for to them were given the mysteries and the secrets. So if we discount what Yahweh himself taught the Jewish people, we are going to have a very small and limited understanding of the truth. However, if we engage the mysteries that he released to those people, um, of which we are part because we are now one new man, we're going to start to have doors of revelation um, open before us. So I want to just start picking up a few things. I'm not going to read all of the content in Genesis 1 and 2, but I want to pick out a few verses and I want to expand on them. So we know Genesis 1 verse 1 starts off, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The first thing that I want to pick out from that verse alone is darkness was over the surface of the deep. We have an understanding and we have a mindset that darkness represents evil. It does not. Not in all circumstances. There is the kingdom that is in darkness, but it's not to be confused with darkness. The word says that darkness surrounds the throne. Does that mean then that evil surrounds the throne? I don't think so. There must be a deeper level of understanding to what that darkness is. And we are actually called to go into that place, into the kingdom to explore all these revelations. Darkness around the throne is referring to the mysteries and the secrets that have been hidden there for us to uncover. We know the scripture that says it's the glory of kings or the honor of kings to hide things and the glory of man to search it out. We have an invitation to come and search out what those mysteries are. It's like a, a father playing hide and go seek with his son. He loves hiding things and he loves hiding himself away to be discovered. And so this is what the word is. It's a treasure box full of revelation that we are meant to uncover and discover. I'll go on to verse 3. It says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. One thing that I want to point out about that particular verse is we're made in the same image of God and part of his function is to speak and to create and it was so. Part of our function is to create stuff. We are co-creators with God and I'm going to show you this as we get to Genesis 2. But our breath has the potential to frame things into being. What you say can attract things to your life. What if I said to you, you can have everything that you say. Would that change the way that we speak? I guess it would. I certainly would change the way I speak about certain things. But the word actually does say that. It says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it eat the fruit of it. So we also admonished to choose life. So that's the first thing. God said, and he said it, he didn't make it, he said it. Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. 
I want to point that sentence out because I'm going to repeat this one over and over. He saw it and he saw it was good and he says it's good. Also notice this part. He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. There is jam-packed revelation just in here. And I'm just going to give you a few snippets of what that looks like. The first thing I want you to notice from verse 3 is where it says, He separated light from darkness. Notice there that they were one. They were together. They were one element and Yahweh separated them one from the other. I also want you to notice in here that this light that was created was not the sun. If you skip down and you see on the fourth day, that is when God put the lights in the sky. So this day and night that he separated out of each other was one and it was not the sun. So that's interesting. It was creative light. All of these things will be expanded on as we go. Just bear with me. I also want you to notice that it says there was evening and there was morning the first day. We start our daytime as uh, I guess you would call us Gentiles in the morning and it ends at 12 midnight. But this is not the way that God intended it. We see even in Genesis 1, he's already putting the order of the day into place. He says there was evening and there was morning the first day. Why? Why evening first? And why darkness? Why is he dealing with darkness and light? There's mystery right here. When you go to sleep at night, that is the beginning of your day. What you're, what you're doing as you're sleeping is your spirit man is going into the realm of the kingdom, into that darkness. When you shut your eyes, there's darkness and, of course, there's nighttime. And your whole purpose is to go into the kingdom, to go and engage with that darkness, those mysteries and revelations that are around the throne, to pick them up. The daytime then which is the end, which, which is part of that day, but it's, it's the end of the scale, is about bringing those mysteries and secrets into the light to reveal them, to get revelation on what you picked up in that dark place. Another thing I want to point out about evening and morning is that in our lives, there seem to be cycles of evenings and mornings. We know that as Christians, we don't just have a cushy life. We don't just have a pain-free and a trial-free life we know that we go through some stuff and we even have a term for it and <laughs> there's some songs even written about it about the dark soul of or the, you know the dark soul of the night and um, that is about the hard stuff that we go through it seems like there's no light we it's, it's like we're feeling our way in the darkness it feels like a trying time but there's a promise that whatever we go through there is going to be a morning if we can just endure it. I mean, the word says, having done all, stand. So you go through stuff, yes, but you're always guaranteed there's going to be a morning after that dark place. Let's carry on reading in verse 8. Sorry, verse 6. It says, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. I want you to also hear those words, and it was so. In other words, what he said happened. This is important. I'll tie it up in a little while. Also notice there's a, um, 
a similarity between verse 3 where God separates the light and the darkness and now he is separating the waters above from the waters below. Did you notice that he pulled them out of each other? They were one and then he separated them. This is important because we'll tie up some loose ends in a little while. God called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. Did you notice in that verse that it did not say and God saw that it was good? Just park that up for a few minutes. We'll come back. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. So he said it and it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called sea. And God saw that it was good. Here it talks about him seeing it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. So how did he, how did that all come about? Because he said it, he framed it. And there were seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. Everything that Yahweh has created has a seed and the potential to multiply in it. We're included in that. We can see even from this scripture in Genesis that the vegetation had within it the ability to reproduce various kinds according to its kind. And it was so. The land produced vegetation. So we have plants and stuff being produced with their seed in them and they start reproducing. Plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. So he's created all of this by speaking and we're only on the third day. Now we come to the fourth day and now we're talking about the sun or the lights in the sky. Verse 14 says, And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. Did you notice how those lights that were in the sky are not referred to as the sun and the moon? We've put it as the sun and the moon, but it says there will be lights in the vault of the sky. And a little bit later on, it says um, a greater light and a lesser light, but nowhere does it say the sun and the moon. Just an interesting thought to get you thinking and chewing over some stuff, meditating on some stuff. But notice how what we have today, we have even broken time into bigger chunks. We now have months. Where did the names of those months come from? They came from different gods that were served. This was not in the original blueprint. The, the, the two lights that were in the vault of the sky were created for days and years, for times and for seasons. So that is important when engaging with these greater and lesser lights in the vault of the sky. Verse 16 says, God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. He set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth and to govern the day and night to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. I'm going to stop there for today and next week we're going to carry on with Genesis 1 and we're going to start getting into the generational inheritance, also known as bloodlines. 
I hope you have enjoyed the insights that have come out of Genesis 1 verse 1 and I look forward to catching up with you next time.